everyone. You're listening to Siren Radio. It's not the first Wednesday of the new year. It's the second Wednesday. The reason will become apparent in a, a wee bit when I wax lyrical about uh, fronts coming in off the Atlantic in a minute. But I have to say it's high time that we open the doors for the first time in 2022 and welcome the eminence that is John Ketley with his weather show. John, welcome to Siren Radio. Thank you very much indeed, Andrew, and better late than never, I suppose. We are as late as the 12th. It must be a record, this one, Absolutely. but never mind. It gets more yes. weather in, doesn't it? Well, we do. And in fact, we have just come back from a brief uh, respite, if you like, in northwest Scotland. We were about six miles south of Malaig, mm. uh, alongside Lake Marar, and the weather up there changed on a sixpence. Because they do say about being in Scotland, whatever you get up and put on in the morning, it'll be right for some time in the day. And we had everything. We had rain, sleet, snow, wind, bright sunshine. It was yeah. stunning. The, the weather really was the weather, rather than the sort of flat stuff we came back to here in Lincolnshire. It's utterly stunning, John. Well, yes, I can understand that. And, of course, this time of year, you wouldn't get all those nasty ticks and uh, flies and things, would you? No, we were, we were midge-free, thankfully. Midge-free, yeah. But as you say, we have a huge amount of weather to talk about, um, not least the fact that we didn't have a white Christmas in this part of the country, but there was a little bit of white Christmas elsewhere, wasn't there? But no yes, doubt we'll get onto that later on. We, we will get onto that, and I'm going to start off by talking about uh, Lincolnshire as a whole, because December was, um, in a nutshell, to give you a little bullet point, Mild, dull and wet was December, which sounds absolutely uninspiring, doesn't it? And yep. most people would want to go to the Costa Brava for three months if you were going to get that sort of weather for three months. But uh, mild, dull and wet is the best way of describing how things were in Lincolnshire and indeed in many parts of the country as well. It was a pretty mixed up and down sort of month. Um, but uh, but on the whole, it was uh, very dull. And I think that's the, the most striking thing about December. A lot of people suffer from seasonal affective disorder, SAD, SAD. And uh, it isn't very nice in December when you expect to get the smallest amounts of sunshine anyway. Then that's when you go for your vitamin D tablets. Indeed. And we're all rattling now, Andrew, aren't we, with mm, all our tablets absolutely. at our age. Uh, but it was, <laughs> it, it was the dullest since 1956. So uh, an, awful, <laughs> an awful long time ago since it was as dull as that, as dull as dishwater, as some might say. Uh, Lincolnshire in particular, I mean, we didn't escape all this. Uh, looking at the figures for uh, Scampton, 65 millimetres of rain. There was 61 millimetres of rain at Waddington. There was 68 millimetres of rain at Coningsby and 60 at Waynefleet and around about 54 down the road, down the A1 at Wittering, RAF Wittering uh, on the A1. So it was a, a pretty wet month. That was a representative of 25% above average rainfall. Uh, but the sunshine, having, having spelt it out already, we were about 65% normal sunshine as well. So dull and on the wet side, temperatures, I suppose, were OK, but it did flip flop for much of the month. It was going up and down, up and down. And I got a few bullet points to talk about that. Uh, but on the whole, it was uh, I thought it was a pretty depressing month, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We, we talk about anticyclonic gloom sometimes, and that's when you get the grey skies and you're chasing one little gap in the cloud for a week, uh, which is uh, pretty boring as a weatherman. But I think as far as December was concerned, um, well, it's a bit more mobile than that. There were spells in the middle of the month when it did quieten down and nothing much changed, but uh, it was a bit more mobile than that. And we, we remember right at the start of the month, there were some pretty stormy conditions and snow up in the northeast of Scotland. That was Storm Barrow, which arrived around about the time we did the last programme, actually. Uh, but, um, but just concentrating, first of all, on the figures for December up and down the country. Well, many places were actually drier than average. Uh, the, the overall 
UK, rainfall was 90% of normal, and some places were extremely dry, actually. It's just the, uh, the wetter parts of the northwest and, and down into Cornwall where you had these higher amounts of rainfall. But, you know, it could have been worse, but Cabal-Curig, of course, does feature. I've got the figures mm-hmm. back for Cabal-Curig now. We're back in motion. Hooray! And, and uh, <laughs> I, I do miss them. We do. Uh, because they're so big. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 305.6 millimetres of rain at Capel Keurig. Put, go Capel, go Capel. Things. And that was 99% of their normal rainfall. So it was actually a very dry month. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it was very wet there. Some places were extremely wet elsewhere in the West. 195 millimetres, I think, uh, places like uh, Lake Vernwy as well. All the usual suspects, really. But up in the Northern Isles, 127 millimetres at Baltasau, 126 millimetres up at uh, Lerwick. Uh, so they were really bang on their normal rainfall. Nothing extreme about that. Temperature-wise, well, they were barely up to normal temperature up in the far north of Scotland. Sometimes it was actually quite cold, and we did have the snow, of course, which I've just about referred to. Uh, so it was quite cold at times up in the north of Scotland. Elsewhere, temperatures were generally well above average, but... Um, the most extreme temperature extreme was down in Cornwall, of course, where it kept on raining for much of the time. And some places across the southeast as well were over two degrees above average on the long term average um, uh, database. But things have now changed as far as the metaverse are concerned. They've now come up to date long last. Mm. They're now using the 1991 to 2020 uh, temperature figures, which... Um, equalizes things a little bit so instead of it looking as if it was an extremely mild month with temperatures well over two degrees above average uh, they've now toned it right down so the uk as a whole was plus 1.1 degree and that this is going better. to be yeah it does and this is going to be a fairly common thing i think in the next few years uh, where we're actually seeing temperatures not as uh, not as much above normal as you think they would have been and no. they would have been on the 1961 to 1990 uh, when it was a particularly cold period uh, so we had a lot more snow in those days and I just referred to it on my um, my newspaper column last Sunday. <clears throat> Pardon me. I just referred to the fact that um, we don't get the winters like we used to do, of course. Uh, but the, the the period 1979 to 1991 was extremely cold and snowy. And we saw lots and lots of episodes of heavy snowfall and blizzards sweeping the whole country. And it probably seems a little bit strange to people listening now, uh, maybe university students who think, well, I mean, that's, that's not that long ago, but I don't remember anything like that. Well, because we, we still forget that infamous December of 2010, which came completely out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And we've, we finished up with the coldest ever, coldest ever um, temperature uh, for December, going back to 1659 across central England, which is quite, quite remarkable. I still pinch myself to think that that happened. Mm. And the, the sad thing is that we couldn't forecast it more than about a week or so ahead. Uh, which is always um, a little bit puzzling when you think that we've got such fantastic computer models these days and they try and do these three-month forecasts looking ahead. But, of course, the nuances are such that uh, we're always vulnerable to a change in the wind direction and we're vulnerable to what happens across the other side of the Atlantic and also up in the upper atmosphere as well, not only in the troposphere where our weather occurs, but in the stratosphere as well, where you get this sudden stratospheric warming and that seems to be responsible for some of these extreme cold conditions and blocking of the milder winds off the Atlantic, which we do get from time to time. But 2010, December, was one of those situations uh, when completely out of the blue, we did get this really fierce, cold, snowy weather. And uh, not to be repeated very often since then, of course, we've had that beast from the east, which lasted a few days uh, just a few years ago. But on the whole, we don't see that sort of weather anymore. 
not to say it won't happen again, but uh, whether we forecast it more than a week ahead, I'm not, <laughs> not too sure. <laughs> but anyway, uh, looking elsewhere across the country, I'm going to mention Shoeberryness, of course, because we always do. We just, we, we just love Essex, don't we? And um, their rainfall was actually quite high. They did have 66 millimetres of rain, which was just like we got, really. Mm. Uh, their temperature was, uh, well, they suggested plus 2.1 on the original temperature regime, but it was obviously near a one and a half now. And their sunshine was also way down. Well, they don't measure sunshine there, but up the road at Wattisham in Suffolk, yep. they were they were 58% of their normal. Um, some places, you know, I talked about the sunshine being poultry, really, and it was. Um, a place not far from where you went to, actually. I don't know if you ever saw Loch Glasscarnock signposted anywhere. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well done. A bit bleak, was it? Oh, very, yes. <laughs> well, they finished up with 15 hours of sunshine through the 31 days of December. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hardly surprising it looks a bit bleak on occasions. Oh. Uh, but I'm sure the sun does shine and um, and it will shine again in the next few days, I'm sure. Absolutely, yes. I have to say, Scotland does dreek and bleak very, very well. It does. They're used to it, aren't they? But, um, yeah, they, they've got a lot of practice at it, really. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm just going to go through a few bullets through the month. If you remember, we did the programme on the 8th. The we last did, one. yep. Uh, and on that day, we were talking about um, gales and showery bands of rain, heavy rain as well, circulating that storm Barra, which had barrowed in off the Atlantic, oh, which oh, oh. My, my old line. Uh, it was in the Scottish borders that day, but it was beginning to fill up and then move away into the uh, into the North Sea. So there was some wintry sunshine at times for some parts of the country as Storm Barrow just edged away. Uh, but it was a pretty wild spell at that time. They got uh, something like 30 or 40 millimetres of rain coming out of that. And there was that little bit of snow still left over the Grampians and Lanarkshire as well. The strongest winds were Aberdaran down in Wales, 83 miles an hour from Storm Barrow. Blackpool got 55 and Cranwell close to home. Uh, they had a gust of 44, which is not particularly extreme. Now, by the 12th, the following weekend, milder weather was started to move in again. Uh, so we saw much milder weather coming in across the south of Britain. There were still low-pressure systems up in the northwest, bringing more wind and rain at times. Uh, but on the whole, things were getting a little bit calmer. High pressure then built in after that from about the 17th, and we saw a large anticyclone. That's why I mentioned the anticyclonic gloom earlier on. Because when the anticyclones come in during these winter months, they're very difficult to shift. You get this blocking going on. And then you're looking for uh, an awful lot of cloud trapped underneath the high pressure. It's, it's the lid that develops in the atmosphere, just about two or 3,000 feet above the ground. So you often get this stratocumulus cloud trapped, and it just stays there, just circulates very slowly for, for days and days at a time. So you're really in the process of just chasing little gaps in the cloud. But, of course, the problem is in the winter, and we've got the same situation right now for the rest of this week. When you've got anticyclones sitting over, as you know perfectly well that it's going to get colder at night and then you can get some lovely sunshine by day. But some places will get fog, some places will get frost, other places will see nothing of the sort and finish up with some really nice wintry sunshine for, uh, for several days. But that was the situation we got just briefly around the middle of the time in, in December. The, the, then there was a period where we got down to minus two, minus three degrees even across Lincolnshire. I called the 22nd of December a transition day because we started to see some milder winds coming in briefly. But then we got to Christmas Day itself, and you've already referred to the fact that some places mm -hmm. did have a white Christmas. And although I poo-pooed the idea back on you the You did, I, I remember. Mean, I, I had to, really. I mean, you, 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 <laughs> if I was a bookmaker, 
and some of my best friends are bookmakers, but not for the right reason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, if I was a bookmaker, I mean, you would never go for less than 10 to 1 against it being a white Christmas anywhere, would you? Well, apart from perhaps Aberdeenshire or something, uh, because it just doesn't happen these days. You're not going to wake up on Christmas Day morning in many parts of the country with a deep and crisp and even. Uh, it isn't the Christmas carol anymore. Mm. Uh, so you'd expect it to be pretty grey and grisly, or sometimes you get sunny mornings on Christmas Day, but um, but on the whole, you know, you're a long way away from any snow. But what happened this year was that we did get some mild weather down in the southwest. The temperature in Plymouth was up around 12 degrees, but there was an overnight frost at uh, Drumna Drocket, minus uh, four yes. degrees there, yeah. Uh, but we only got up to plus four in Lincoln. It was a pretty cold day, really, across much of the country. And overnight, there had been some colder winds coming in off the North Sea, and they brought some little sleety snow showers up across central and northern parts of England, especially, and up into eastern Scotland. Strathallan up there, they had a little bit of snow. Uh, but there was snow in eastern Scotland, Yorkshire Dales especially. Mm. So late in the day, I thought, well, not that late in the day, but about a week before. Sadly, I didn't let you know because I know you're not that way inclined. But I thought, oh, well, maybe there's a chance of a white Christmas somewhere in um, in Yorkshire, so I went for uh, not in a big way, but a little a little wager uh, for Leeds Bradford Airport because oh. they are eight hundred feet above sea level. So if anybody's going to get it at Yeadon, uh, then they will, you know. So that, I thought, well, we'll go for that one, and and so it worked out quite well. It took a long time for them to verify the fact that it did actually snow, uh, but the situation was helped by the fact that somebody living in Yeadon did some video work and oh. sent it sent it into British Weather Services. That's a company I deal with uh, on a regular basis and they sent in this little video live shots from um I don't know what time it was quarter to 10 in the morning on christmas day of little snow flurries coming down on their car in that little back garden uh, so there was the evidence they sent it through to the bookmakers who then paid up so that was nice wasn't it didn't pay for the christmas turkey though no uh, no but, uh, it, <laughs> it was only a, a very very tiny wager uh, absolutely we don't have that sort of money to throw around andrew in this no business. no I, I can understand entirely us impoverished broadcasters <laughs> well indeed uh, but it was exciting nonetheless it's always exciting yep. when you've got the prospect the possibility even yeah. of somebody seeing some snow that morning because it does actually make the news uh met even got excited as well they reported snow being um reported in one or two you know very isolated <laughs> places because uh, it hadn't been forecast naturally uh so, so it was interesting it was, it was a very interesting morning that and um barely concentrating on, on drink, drinking my books first but um absolutely but there we go i do remember the days when uh, you were a young lad with the met office and you had mm. pens and ink things like that it used to be <laughs> yes. uh, said that they would only pay out if snow fell on the roof of the Met Office buildings in London. Well, it was. It never did, well, it was very oh. infrequently. Because well, it did course... in 1981. 81, um, did it? Right. 81, it did, yeah. Um, I mean, I could go back through the records if I had the, uh, the time. Uh, there were probably about five occasions in the last century where it actually snowed on the, well, the equivalent of the London Weather Centre roof uh, in Hoban when I was there. That's right. I couldn't remember where it was. Hoban. Yeah, the Air Ministry roof, they used to call it. Ah. Um, so it was in Hoban when I was there. They then moved on to Clerkenwell and then shut down completely. Uh, Centralisation. They took them all to uh, to Exeter in the end. Uh, but, uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, it was a bit rough on the fork, on the observer of the day, <laughs> Christmas Day, to always have his uh, eyes peeled on the roof to see if a snowflake occurred. Yep. Yep. Uh, because, you know, you can bet your bottom dollar that somebody would say, well, I saw one, and I only live <laughs> half, a, half a mile away from 
Hoban, <laughs> I saw a sna snowflake. Mm -hmm. So you'd always get this sort of hassle, but you know, quite clearly on most occasions, you could easily say that uh, it was impossible because the temperature was seven and a half degrees or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, interesting times. But 1981 was an occasion when a large part of the country did actually see snow falling. And that's the one I remember. There were other occasions when you got snow showers, if you want to call it that, proper snow showers, but only fleeting. Uh, coming through in about 1993 or 1995 there were situations like that and then referring back to that 2010 December although it was very 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 cold and snowy at the beginning of the month it didn't really snow an awful lot beyond that uh, but there was still some snow coming down at times um, graupel we'd probably call it little bits of hail or sleety stuff uh, which came down on Christmas day as well so there was another pout even on Christmas Day in 2010, though the, the most severe of the weather was uh, right at the beginning of the month as far as snow was concerned, but it did stay very cold all month. Fantastic. I, I just reminded that uh, Bruce um, often listens to the programme, always does, and in fact he complained that we weren't on last week, but I had to point out why. Um, <laughs> the, the Americans have a lovely name for drizzle, but I think it also works for snow at this time of year, the little stuff, sprinkles. I just think well, I, I like sprinkles. I, I use the word sprinkles on broadcast. Yes, sprinkles is a lovely, and it's it, it just describes that sort of gentle, nearly something which um, yeah yeah. It, it's neither full blown <clears throat> snow or full blown sleet or hail, which we defined last last time. Are we going to take a break for a tune now? Should we have a tune? Because I've yes. been delving into the record case, and uh, I've come up with uh, not somebody I would expect to uh, to use very often on a on a radio program, but I've gone back for Toya Wilcox in 1982, who heard, I'm sure she heard, Thunder in the Mountains.
and pick up in three, two, one. And the reason I chose that track was because lots of programmes were on over Christmas, uh, Channel 5 in particular, showing uh, bits of uh, video and interviews with people who had hits in the 80s and 70s and 90s and all these kind of things. And Toya Wilcox was actually on, and she was referring to the video they made for that particular track, Thunder in the Mountains. And uh, she said it was really quite scary because she was, she was on a, a chariot with the reins from the horse in front of her. And um, I don't think she had a helmet on or anything like that, but this thing was tearing across the, <laughs> tearing across the fields and she was hanging on for grim death. Yes. Uh, aiming for the thunder in the mountains, I presume. But, uh, but quite a nice track, that one. Well, it was a lovely track. And thunder in the mountains reminds me, going back to a little sojourn in Scotland, the weather forecaster in the middle of last week talked about thunder snow. Yeah, and I said we looked at each other, and, and then we looked it up, and apparently there is an effect, isn't there, where you get thunder, no lightning, but you get thunder in snowstorms, and there are some parts of the far northeast, I think, mm. who are going to get this extraordinary effect where you have snow and thunder. Absolutely right. There probably would have been lightning because you can't get thunder without the lightning. It's just that you oh, can't right. necessarily see it. See it, yeah. And, and the lightning was probably embedded in the deep cloud. You know, yes. you probably had yeah. cloud which was about thirty thousand feet thick, good deep. Grief. And, and the lightning could have been occurring at different levels within that cloud, which was invisible to the human eye. Uh, but uh, yeah, you can get thunder. You can get thunder snow, and all this kind of thing. I was on. Uh, I remember being on um, on Five Live one morning back in the early two thousands. And somebody had written in saying, we've got thunder snow. We've got snow here and it's thundering or something like that. So I had to explain everything. And, right. uh, but yeah, it's, it's not that uncommon, but uh, some people probably think it is. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, that's the ex- lot of extreme weather we can get in this country from time to time. It's always nice when you do get uh, little extreme or unusual is. bits of weather rather than the mundane stuff. Well, so um, the UK was mild, dull and wet. Uh, the worst since 1956, two years after I was born. And we won't find out how long it was after you were born. But let's, a little longer. <laughs> let's broaden our, uh, our view. Um, where are you going to take us now? Well, uh, looking at a few bullet points around different parts of the world, we've got to start, as usual, in the weather in Europe. Because um, it's actually, I think when we are on a month ago, I kept talking about how there was heavy rain kept turning up in the north and east of Spain. Mm. And, and that continued again. There was actually a bit of a, a sideswipe from that storm Barra over in northern Spain. They got a bit of a sideswipe from that. There was some torrential rain and some thawing snow and ice as well at higher altitudes as that storm actually engaged some much milder weather coming up from the, the subtropics. That was the thing about storm Barra. It was actually quite active because it was um, it was actually embedding the very much milder air warmer you could call it really from uh, out to the west of canaries and madeira Uh, so there was some very warm air embedded in it and uh, the result of all that was quite a severe storm and it did affect spain as well and that was around about the 10th so storm barra did bring some pretty nasty conditions to parts of northern spain and also southwest france as well and rivers overflowed their banks in a large area of the southwest of, of france at that time Elsewhere, back in the States, it's only fair now, you mentioned Bruce, so we'll have to uh, have a look at the weather over there. There were two or three episodes through the month, but on the 10th, 11th, that sort of period, the governor of the US state of Kentucky, I can't do a Kentucky accent and you wouldn't want me to try, has said <laughs> that more than 70 people were killed by tornadoes on the Friday night. I mean, that's, that's very nasty. This is not tornado season. No. We always talk about the very severe tornadoes in the Midwest in around about March, April, May. That's probably the peak period. 
when you get more likely to get the extremes of temperature with the, the hot air being pulled northwards out of the Gulf of Mexico and meeting that very cold blast of air coming down from northwest Canada. And so that's when you do tend to get these very serious cold fronts sweeping across the Midwest. But this uh, this particular batch of tornadoes was unusual for December and it did kill uh, quite a lot of people, actually. Uh, there was a, a candle factory collapse in the town of Mayfield and other events as well around Kentucky. So that made the main news. I do remember seeing that on the main news as well. Uh, very nasty indeed. Um, about the same time again, about the 11th, there was heavy snowfall in the Alps. Unusually heavy snowfall so early in the skiing season. I'm sure they didn't mind at all because uh, they're having a pretty wretched time, really, with people not being allowed to travel over in Europe. Indeed, um, yes. Uh, so, you know, the more snow they get, quite frankly, I'm sure the happier they'll be. And there was an avalanche in the Salzburg region and on the border with Germany, and that killed three people, injured a few more when people were skiing off-piste. It always seems a dangerous thing to do to me. Mm. I can't even stand up on my shoes, but um, when they go skiing off-piste, I think that's uh, a bit stupid. <laughs> Unless you're very, very skilled and mm. you know what you're doing, but avalanches are the most dangerous thing, I think. I think they're more dangerous than hurricanes being caught in one of those things. Uh, now, on the 14th, 15th, right in the middle of the month, there were severe storms in the province of the Eastern Cape of South Africa. We don't normally go right down into the south, but this is their wet season. It's, it's a strange thing about... Uh, Cricket, you know, when you, you play cricket all around the world, but um, South Africa has its cricket season when it's at its wettest. Uh, but um, they, they can't help that. Uh, but it's all right. It's You know, you wouldn't need many days to beat England these days anyway. Not so, really. Uh, Let's move on from that. <laughs> I just had to throw that one in. Yeah. So they, so they had to have they had some very nasty, uh, nasty weather, claimed a few people uh, with uh, some big storms and such like. Latest storms occurred about the 15th of December. And then... Um, Another winter storm made land. It actually got very, very nasty down the eastern end of the Mediterranean rather than the west. Everything quietened down on the western side. So Spain, Portugal, all, all around the west got much better as the month went on, which was very encouraging for people who perhaps had some sort of holiday book for Christmas away. Uh, but it got very bad around the eastern end of the Mediterranean. We call about these, talk about these medicanes sometimes, which is a Mediterranean hurricane, if you like. It's not, not as severe as a hurricane. But there was a winter storm which was named Carmel, and that made landfall over Israel on the 20th. It had come across from Greece, Cyprus, into, uh, into the mainland, and it went through Israel, and it was named Carmel uh, around about the 20th, 21st. That brought some very, very nasty weather. There was 175 millimetres of rainfall in 24 hours over there, near Holen, or Holon, I'm not sure, in Israel. Uh, my geography of Israel is pretty weak, I have to say. But, um, yeah, they said that uh, the station had been in operation for over 100 years. And um, in its entire history, it only recorded similar falls of rainfall on two previous occasions in 1938 and in 1954. And at the airport as well, Ben Gurion Airport, I've heard of that one. They registered 153 millimetres of rainfall Goodness. from that particular storm, Carmel, around about the 20th, 21st of December. So that, not saying it was, it was an unusual intensity, but it, it's not unusual to get the storms. And in fact, <laughs> coincidentally, there are more storms due uh, today and tomorrow over there around Cyprus and Greece. And they're also going to be moving into Israel. And although there'll be a quieter spell coming back, there will be more very heavy rainfall down the eastern Med in a few more days' time. So things are uh, pretty lively in that part of the world and then back into the u.s heavy storms also battered and you may know about this western regions of the u.s including parts of northern california 
Well, um, I, I can because Bruce kept sending me pictures of rain sloshing all over the place and they were having rain that ran for 24 hours, yeah. which considering how dry that part of California has been over the last year, few years, yeah. um, struck me as being quite excessive. It was steady rain. I don't think it caused major flooding, but he said no. it was just so unusual and uh, he mm. had to put an extra sweatshirt on. Oh, no. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Poor old Bruce. <laughs> Well, we do feel sorry for you, Bruce. <laughs> but it also brought some snowfall as well, obviously, up onto the higher ground in Nevada and such like places as that. There was avalanche warnings, actually, in effect across six states. Now, over that weekend, the 26th, 27th of December, Southern California was hit by rainstorms, which we know. Uh, power lines snapped and streets did get flooded. And more than 1.8, and they sort of twee, aren't they? More than 1.8 inches of rain <laughs> fell in 24 hours in San Marcos or San, yeah, San Marcos Pass in Santa Barbara County. Uh, so, yeah, there was some pretty severe weather. It, yeah. it could have been a lot worse, I think, but um, there was widespread areas of unstable snow, whatever that means, uh, which presume means um, because of Colorado being where it is and Idaho, Utah, Montana, uh, there would have been some pretty nasty uh, avalanches up in that, uh, in that uh, area of the U.S. Uh, back a little bit closer to home, um, Oh, Sierra Nevada again. We've got, we've got a bit more action in Sierra Nevada uh, on the 27th as well. A period of heavy snow fell there. Uh, so enough, uh, actually, for breaking the existing December record of 454 centimetres set in 1970, uh, officials said, adding that snowfall rates are, are still, yeah, very heavy, comparable with uh, what happened many, many years ago. So that was interesting. I didn't know about that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, wherever you, whichever month we talk about, wherever we are in the world, there's always going to be something extreme. <laughs> uh, doesn't mean to say it's necessarily tied into climate uh, no. change and global warming, because these things have always occurred, as they often say. Yeah, but nonetheless, it's, um, it's a good talking point, And um, I think it's, it's just indicative of the way the weather is. And also it's indicative of the fact that we, we get to know things much more quickly than we ever used to. If you go back mm. 50 years, I mean, obviously, 50 years ago, we didn't have such things as mobile phones and Internet. Uh, but, but nonetheless, you probably had to wait a month for all this news to filter through. Nowadays, people take a picture, do some videoing, put it out on the social media, and everybody around the world, all the news outlets, have got it straight away. And all of a sudden, it's main news on television at 6 o'clock, and it's never happened before. You know, we've never seen this sort of thing before. This must be climate change. Oh, it yeah. does annoy me. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. Let's, 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 let's just pause. Just to remind you, listening to John Ketley's weather show, it's Wednesday the 10th. That's when we're recording it. No, it isn't. It's Wednesday the 12th. I can't read my own diary. Uh, <laughs> oh, such is the way I'm chewing. I'll, I'll do the talking then. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were talking about the anti-cyclonic gloom. Yeah, let's. We've definitely had that the last couple of days. Today, just saying we're recording at 11 o'clock in the morning, I'm looking out at um, moderately bright sunshine. But the, the high that is building at the moment looks absolutely gigantic yeah. and is not going anywhere. So I'm assuming that's going to really make things a bit iffy and gloomy. And they're talking about fog and dense fog. How's it looking for us, John? Well, this is the problem. I've already referred to the issues with anticyclones and how they sit on the country and they sit there for a week or a week or two weeks at a time, three weeks at a time, possibly. But they're always flexing their muscles. It never stays exactly the same. And you can say, well, three days ago, it didn't look like that. The centre of the high pressure was about 200 miles further west or whatever. And that's what's going to happen now for the next two and a half weeks. In fact, probably right the way through to the end of the month. Uh, dear old Paul on uh, Look North the other day said, 
I think the high pressure is going to be with us now for the rest of December, uh, rest of January. <laughs> You're um, doing it now. <laughs> well, I am. That's awful, isn't it? Um, and he's probably right. It's going to be influencing our weather. It doesn't mean to say it's never going to rain again. I'm sure it will at some point. Uh, but it's always flexing its muscles. It's always going to be just migrating a little bit further west. It, that, that allows more wind to come in from the north and a few showers as well. That will occur. But at the same time, if it sits a little bit further to the south or to the east of us, slap bang on top of the UK, including Lincolnshire, that's when we're going to get this lid of cloud. And that's when we're going to get problems with trying to forecast if it's going to come sunny during the day. Inevitably, some parts of the country now for the next few days and weeks will have at times really gloomy weather, cold, raw weather, temperature barely above freezing. You're looking at two degrees above freezing where you're trapped under some mist and fog and low cloud. It gets very depressing. And that's so typical of a British winter of old, really. Yeah. Uh, but um, but that's the sort of thing that happens. At the same time, you know, everything's linked. The jet stream is linking into other parts of the UK and uh, Europe as well. So I've got a chart in front of me now with on the 27th, which is over two weeks away. And that's got high pressure to the west of Ireland. We've got quite brisk cold winds coming in from the northwest across the whole of Britain. That's sinking more heavy downpours and thunderstorms back into Italy, to Greece, into the uh, Cyclades, that sort of area. So more heavy rain there. There could be a, a Medicaid developing. That's where some of the more noteworthy weather is going to be, I would think, later in the month. And also a new area of low pressure developing between the Azores and the Canaries. So the, you can expect to get some wind and rain and uh, affecting Madeira at the same time. So that's what's going to be happening. That's, that's the pattern that's now becoming set up. As I say, it's always going to be flexing its muscles. The centre of that high pressure is so important as to how it affects the weather in other parts of Europe. So it could, it could migrate 500 miles, and that takes other weather systems 500 miles to the east or to the west or to the north or to the south. And so it is going to be very difficult to forecast on a week-by-week on a -week basis, but daily it shouldn't be too bad. So what's it going to be like then for us over the next couple of days? Well, the high pressure is going to stay with us, that's for sure. That's not going anywhere. So we are going to see an in increasing possibility, increasing likelihood of uh, more widespread frost at night. It's quite white over with me first thing this morning. Uh, I think we're going to see more and more of that going into the weekend. I think just possibly on Saturday and Sunday, we might just begin to stir the wind a little bit. It might on Saturday and Sunday just get a little bit breezier, uh, imperceptibly breezier at times, but uh, temperatures overnight if you get more cloud coming in from the west it might just keep temperatures that little bit higher at the same time it's still only going to be about eight degrees or possibly nine if you were very lucky and then a bit more brisk more of a brisk wind developing on monday the mildest weather by then trapped across the southwest of england so that's where you do get your palm trees more more abundantly in the in the english riviera down around torquay so that's where the mildest weather is going to be at the same time colder winds then start to move in across scotland and fringing eastern counties of England. So I'm, I think I'm looking into early next week, some uh, more showers just affecting Scotland coming down the east coast of England. Temperatures, though, well, five or six degrees. It's going to feel chilly and always the threat of some uh, more widespread frosts at night, given the clearing sky. John, thank you very much indeed. Before we go, <clears throat> we um, have friends in common. And um, this week we heard the very sad news of someone who will be well known to people listening to this sort of podcast, also very well known to people who support Notts County, uh, who perhaps listen to BBC Radio Nottingham, where you and I uh, started our radio careers, sort of. Um, and also you knew him, uh, Colin Slater, we're talking about, Colin Slater, MBE, former mm. very senior executive with uh, Nottinghamshire County Council. I knew him through his church connections and sat on General Synod with him, uh, representing 
representing the Diocese of Southall, which is the diocese which looks after, for Church of England purposes, uh, Nottinghamshire. But you also knew him through cricketing contacts, didn't you? Indeed, I did. We used to go up to, uh, to Headingley every June uh, to a cricket lunch. It was called a 364 cricket lunch. It was based on Len Hutton's famous 364 oh. he got at the Oval in 1938. Goodness. And it's a lunch that's been going for well, nigh on 20 years now. I've been going since 1990, uh, two, sorry, 2007, <laughs> the very, very, very wet summer, uh, <laughs> the first one I went to. And uh, I was diverted on the train because it was so wet and there was waterlogging going on around Doncaster. Um, But that was the first time I went up to the lunch. That was the first time I'd met uh, Colin for about five years. I did actually meet him several on several occasions uh, from my early days at Nottingham in 1980 uh, beyond there. But, um, you know, I met him much more prolonged periods of time to to have good conversations with him from 2007 onwards and uh, I've seen him nearly every year until of course the dreaded Covid struck and we used to have long conversations about how things aren't how they used to be and all this Uh, but Colin the thing about him was he was such a measured broadcaster a very measured broadcaster he didn't say anything in a hurry he thought about everything he said every syllable counted and um, the only time I saw him a little bit miffed was probably the last time we actually met up at uh, Headingley. And although he wouldn't criticise anybody, he, he, was, he wasn't a man to criticise anybody at all, really. In, in, his, in his guarded way, you could tell what he was trying to say. Uh, but on this occasion, he'd been asked by uh, Football Focus on BBC One to put together a little video for Football Focus to do some filming at Meadow Lane about the history of Notts County. I think it must have been the time when they were going to be relegated or something like that. Oh my and, and, of course, who better to ask than Colin Slater, who had been uh, commentating at uh, Meadow Lane for 49 years, unbelievably. <laughs> Unbelievable. Even though he comes from Bradford originally, um, Nottingham had become his, uh, his main home. Uh, but uh, he was just slightly miffed because this young researcher had said to him, um, I don't know if you're up to it, you know... <laughs> I don't know if you're up to it, but I wonder if you could put together a bit of film work for us for Football Focus and try and describe what you can remember about Notts County through the period that um, they've been going and particularly through the time that you've been involved with them. And uh, he, did this, uh, he did this filming with them and did in take one, of course. Yeah. And this, this, this researcher couldn't believe it. You know, she, she just thought it was a doddery old man who might yeah. just about need to be... Do, do it about 20 times and we might be able to cobble things together. And that was the only time I ever saw him a little bit miffed about uh, <laughs> whether somebody thought that maybe he wasn't up to it. Absolutely disgraceful, really. But there we go. That's just one of the stories I remember about Colin. I can remember. I, I, I'm going to say sorry. exactly the same as you. I used to work as the Sports Link presenter for BBC Radio Nottingham and they would do the score flashes during the afternoon and then they'd all have to record a considered piece at the end and we had two or three reporters doing Nottingham Forest, uh, Mansfield Town, the Stags and of course the Magpies, um, Mm. the original black and white outfit as against I think Newcastle who seemed to claim it and he was literally always one take. You knew it would be perfect, two and a half minutes all up absolutely spot That's on right. That's and there right. were also those um slightly darker occasions i can remember you remember uh, you talked about bradford and i can remember the horrific fire yeah uh, at the stadium and of course he was there he was commentating and again it was that sense of being able to get the gravitas right without going into hyperbole and without over egging it he, and yeah you, you didn't want to over egg something like that because oh, no. 
he didn't know at the time just how bad it was. And it was horrific. And of course, brought about significant change in the way um, stadia are looked after and maintained. So uh, sadly out of that, but he was a constant and he was, you're quite right. He, he would never judge people. Uh, mm. Although you knew he perhaps had his own opinions. Yes. Um, and we, we are, we are the poorer for not having people and broadcasters like Colin around because the trend now is fast, slick, um, sometimes overly co- confident and therefore not actually remembering that you're doing it not for you and me. Mm. You're doing it for the listener, whether the mm. listener is now online, on air, on satellite or whatever. You've yeah. got to remember. And he, he taught me it was all about the single person you talk to, the little old lady sitting uh, as she hears the spectators moving away from Meadow Lane, she wants to know what's gone on. She can listen to Colin. Colin will tell her. And it's that intimate relationship that he he had wherever he was and whatever he did. And you obviously picked it up as well. Yeah, obviously, it, and quite a poignant point as well, which I've thought about since he, I, I got the news on Monday afternoon that he died. Uh, but um, Lincoln City um, beat Notts County 5-0 in his first commentary match all those years ago. <laughs> Goodness. And then, of course, we had the fire, which was against Lincoln City as well, wasn't it? That wasn't that Bradford City, uh, was it? Um... I can't remember. My, I, I. No, I'm not sure now. Uh, but, um, but the, the poignant uh, thing I was going to mention was uh, just only three or four years ago, Colin invited me over to Medellin to sit in the stands with him, um, invited me for lunch, meet the directors and the chairman and everything else, and. That was against Lincoln City again. Mm. Uh, so, so the last time I was at Meadow Lane with him uh, was against Lincoln City. Uh, a more pleasing result that day because Notts uh, County won 4 1. <laughs> and what a wonderful way to leave it today. John, thank you so much indeed for joining us here on Siren Radio. Um, I'm looking at my diary in the hope that we will be able to meet properly on the first Wednesday of february which according to my second, diary isn't it? is the second so the second. thank you yeah. so much indeed for joining my us pleasure. on siren radio